stone, you must lose that which you love. An everlasting exchange, a soul for a soul. Can you name that movie? That was Red Skull to Hawkeye and Black Widow in Avengers Endgame. And then after hearing what was required, Black Widow and Hawkeye agreed that one of them was going to have to die in order to return billions of people from death because they had promised to do whatever it would take to undo Thanos' actions. And while Hawkeye attempted to sacrifice himself by throwing himself off of the cliff of Vormir, Black Widow stopped him. And they got into a battle of who could be the first to go over the edge. But eventually, Black Widow was the Avenger who won and sacrificed her own life so that her friends can live. Retrieve the Soul Stone. Bring everyone back who had vanished in Thanos' snap. An everlasting exchange. A soul for a soul. Only upon such a transaction could the effects of evil be reversed and life could be restored. In verse 19 of 1 Peter 1, Peter throws in an analogy that alludes to an enormously deep theological treasure trove of just such an exchange, a sacrifice given for my soul and your soul. And so let's read in 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19. He says this, Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So we were ransomed by the precious blood of Christ, as if Jesus were a perfect and spotless lamb. Why a lamb? I mean, if I were to picture the mighty hero that swoops in to lay down his life and sacrifice himself for all mankind, securing victory forever, I don't picture a small and meek lamb. Other places in scripture, Jesus is described as a lion. I mean, wouldn't that sound better? A lion without blemish or spot. Well, Peter here is recalling not only prophecies about Christ's death, but also correlating it with the Old Testament sacrificial system, which became a foreshadow of Christ. So today, let's take a deep dive into scripture to see what it says about Jesus being the Lamb. Let's work our way through it backwards. So starting in Revelation, there's lots of imagery in the book of Revelation about Jesus being our Lamb. Revelation 5.12 saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Revelations 12.11 says, Speaking of Satan, that we have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. For we loved not our lives even unto death. In the Gospels, John the Baptist was baptizing people in the Jordan River, and in John 1.29, he sees Jesus approaching. It's the very first time he's ever laid eyes on this man, before he even knows who Jesus is, and long before he was led up to Golgotha and Jesus hung on the cross, John says this, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in the Old Testament, prophets foretold of the Messiah who would be slaughtered like a lamb. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 7 says, He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. 
And all of this imagery comes from the sacrificial system, which points all the way back to the Passover in the book of Exodus. God was sending plagues into Pharaoh's kingdom in Egypt to show his power and to terrify the Pharaoh into releasing the Israelites from slavery under his rule. I mean, it starts getting crazy. Water starts turning into blood, and then the land gets overrun with frogs. There's lice and flies all over the place. Their livestock starts getting sick and begins to die. The Egyptians come down with boils all over the skin. Hail and locusts are destroying all of their crops. And then a thick darkness settles over Pharaoh's kingdom. And all of these plagues seem to only have affected the Egyptians. It doesn't appear that the Israelites came down with boils or suffered from these infestation or animal deaths. In fact, Exodus 9-4 actually points out how this is happening when it came to the livestock. It says, But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and that of Egypt, so that no animal belonging to the Israelites will die. But then the tenth plague comes. And this plague is death the death of the firstborn son in every house. And this time, the Israelites are not exempt. They could have been, just like with all the other nine plagues, God could have made a distinction. It would have been easy for him to do. But death is a plague that affects every human, no matter ethnicity, age, gender, socioeconomic status, religion, background, family, or any other earthly thing. So God used this plague to not only show his power, but to foreshadow a much more insidious plague that affects us all. That's sin. But God loved his people so much that he provided for them a way out of this plague. The only way to conquer sin and death is through death itself. Exodus 12 says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. And if any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with the nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people that there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be one-year-old males without defect. And you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. And then they are to take some of the blood, put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. And then in verse 12, it says, And on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. It was through the death of a perfect lamb and through its blood that their lives were spared. This is why it's called Passover death passed over them that night because they were ransomed by the blood of the Lamb. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5-7 that Christ is our Passover Lamb. He has been sacrificed. And so here's the thing for us to remember about the Passover Lamb. Remember what verse 13 said, when the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and the sides of the doorframe and will pass over that doorway. 
God saw the blood. God saw the blood around the door of the house, not the people inside the house. It didn't matter if they were really bad sinners inside or pretty good people. It didn't matter if they knew all of the Torah or if they had never picked up the scriptures before. That's not what God was looking at. God saw the blood, not the people. Not our money, not our wealth, not our education, not our morals, nothing but the blood. Death didn't pass over them because of anything they did or who they were. It passed over them because blood had been shed, paying the price. That's why identity outside of Christ is not just unwise, it's fatal. And so what does God see in you over the doorpost of your heart? You or his son's blood. Jesus is our Passover lamb, the sinless son of God, paying the price, shedding his blood so that death, apart from God in our sin, can pass by us and now we can become ransomed to live a life by the grace of God through faith in him as our Savior. Martin Luther said, Either sin is with you, lying on your shoulders, or it is lying on Christ, the Lamb of God. Now, if it is lying on your back, you are lost. But if it is resting on Christ, you are free and you will be saved. Now choose what you want. So today, praise God for the glorious and freeing truth that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And next time, we'll try to figure out what it means that this was the plan that was foreknown from the beginning of time. Until then, let's pray. Lord, you are the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, but you are also the Passover lamb. I worship you for the price you paid to give me a hope and a salvation. And may you help me daily rely on nothing but the blood of Christ over my heart and over my life to make me right, to cause my sins to be forgiven, and to find victory over temptation. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name.